1: Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bose Nose Show, where we talk about everything from politics to poodles. But we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, and I wanted you to get in on the conversation, so I'm going to remind folks right now what the call-in number is, which is 646-721-9887. And just press one so that Robin knows you want to get on the conversation again that's six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven and just press one and let's uh, Robin my call screener and producer extraordinaire know you want to get on the conversation and I'm your host West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich I forgot to bring that in at the beginning. Um, and we got so much to talk about today. You know, I I don't know where to start, but you know. I promote this, you know, today is the first day that you're actually required to have a mask on in Oregon outside. Of course, it's only if you can't provide social distancing, so if you get within six feet of somebody, you're supposed to have a mask on outside. And uh, of course, the uh, governors, it's also the first day where you're supposed to be limiting indoor gatherings to 10 people or less, private indoor gatherings. Um, birthday parties. So I'm kind of wondering if the birthday party police are going to be out there, although the governor said she wasn't going to be enforcing that. She's just asking people to try and do that. Um, but we'll, you know, we'll see whether we have the birthday party police later on. But yeah, you know, I-, I wanted to start this out with maybe a little bit of a personal story here. Um, my wife Elizabeth, um, had a doctor order her a COVID test because She had to go into uh, Mackenzie Willamette Hospital to get a procedure done. Um, Minor, never mind about that. And yes, her test came back negative. We'll put the headline out front front there. She does not have COVID, which probably means I don't have COVID, because if she did, I would. (laughs) And vice versa. Uh, Sleep in the same bed. We don't social distance between the two of us. Uh, So... (laughs) What? Yeah. Yeah. Husband and wife don't social distance. Breaking news. Commissioner Bozovich admits he doesn't social distance from his wife. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Um, So but we do social distance from a lot of other people. And we're, you know, we're kind of happy. The whole COVID thing sidebar. Both Elizabeth and I have that introverted personality. You know, we do our Myers-Briggs test. We start out with a big I, (laughs) We are not extroverts and uh, we are just as happy as could be to not have to hug people and uh, you know, maybe not be around people as much because that's our comfort zone. So we're champion social distancers when it, everybody else put two of us. Um, but getting back to the story, she had to have a COVID test and we got to try going through the drive in testing at McKenzie Willamette hospital, which is how they do it for people that are going to be in there. Um, and you know, we, we we're driving down Mohawk, getting ready to turn in McKenzie, and they got the sign there that says, you know, use G Street to, for COVID testing, and you turn in there, and then you see another sign that says where the testing is, and you see that the line's right up to the street. And you're like, oh, that's not too bad, you know. It's And then as I'm getting ready to turn left, I realize there are a bunch of angry people staring at me from my right. You know, you just kind of sense this, this glare, and you realize that across the street, g street there's another parking lot and there's a whole line of cars backed up just waiting to cross the street to get into the line at the hospital so you have to kind of real quick make a decision to you know i turned in beside that line and followed it all the way back through the parking lot to where it ended and it you know, did a ue and got in the back of the line and ultimately it took us an hour to get up to the front of the line even though they're testing two cars at a time you know they bring two Two cars up to the, they had two testing sites running there, uh, and they bring up two cars at a time. It still took us an hour to get to the front of the line, uh, which you know is kind of highly recommend bringing at least one other person in the car if you're going there for COVID test because by the time we were getting close to the front of the line, I had to go <laughs> and run into the hospital use their restroom so it was good that there was two of us so we could do the Chinese fire drill thing and I could run in and use the restroom which by the way they made me get my temperature taken and answer a bunch of questions before they'd even let me go into the to use the restroom Uh, but uh, you know ran in ran back out and Elizabeth had only moved forward one space Uh, but so good always to bring somebody with you if you're going to get do drive-through COVID testing, so you can uh, do Chinese fire drills and relieve each other to go run for the restrooms, uh, but, uh yeah we got up there, and, uh, you know, they, you know, get Elizabeth, you know, had had all this paperwork she had pre-filled out and everything, and they take the paperwork and double-check your name and ID, check your IDs and all that stuff, and finally get ready to do the test, and, you know, they pull out this Q-tip that's um, about as long as your forearm, uh, <laughs> And the guy says, you're not really going to enjoy this. You know, tilt your head back and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, I expect that, you know, this Q-tip, it's not like a standard Q-tip. It's got a really flimsy, you know, delicate sort of stem on it. So you think, you know, they're going to really carefully put it back into our nose and, you know, maybe daintily move it a little bit and then pull it back out. And, uh, you know, as I'm watching this, yeah, they're sticking it in, and i am kind of waiting for the tip to come out of her ear um and and finally they stop and he starts moving it around like he's stirring a drink or something you know
0: <laughs> and Elizabeth's
1: starting to to get a little bit of a gag reflex going there and uh pulls out just about the time she's starting to gag um and she's like, "You're right, I did not enjoy that <laughs> so um, more of the story is avoid, you know, getting exposed, keep your social distancing up and all that stuff, because the actual COVID test is not fun, although she recovered almost immediately. I mean, it, it was unpleasant during the procedure of getting the test, but there's no lasting effect or anything like that. Um, so if you are required to be tested, I would, I would recommend following through that test. Um, but it was interesting to go through the process, um, and apparently McKenzie Willamette's testing over 200 people a day in their drive-up testing um, lanes there. So, uh, you know, mostly folks that are scheduled for procedures in the coming days um, by doctors, and you can't just pull into the line and get a test. You have to have a doctor's orders uh, for a test tested at McKenzie Willamette. Um, and generally a doctor that's referring somebody into the McKenzie-O'Levitt. So um, don't just park in there and and sit there for an hour only to find out you can't get a test. (laughs) It's not just a a come one, come all testing facility. Um, But that was our experience in getting tested for COVID-19. But getting back to this whole, you know, additional restrictions and everything else, you know, I talked last week about why I thought there was such an increase in case counts in Oregon. And I basically came to the conclusion that the majority of our increase in case counts has as much to do with our increased testing capacity over the last month and the redefinition of what they're counting in the cases. Like, they've they've decided that it's not just positive tests they're counting, they're also including presumptive positives, which means they haven't really had a test to confirm it, but there's this presumption of uh, minimum of 15 minutes of exposure to somebody that did test positive and um, COVID-like symptoms present in a person is considered presumptive positive. Although I've heard of people being counted as presumptive positive based on telephone calls with with a medical provider, not an in-person exam. Um, So a little bit of, you know, some of that increase. Yes, I do believe there has been some little bit of bounce up because of relaxing of some of our, um, uh, you know, going into phase two in some of our counties around the state. That's a very small amount, though. I think there's a bigger bounce that actually came from end of school year parties that were held. Over 30 of our cases right here in Lane County in the last month have been tied to several end of school parties of college age and high school age kids, particularly graduation parties that were held indoors without social distancing where people did not wear masks. And that has more to do with a bump that has absolutely nothing to do with going into phase two. You know, that was, you know, a lot of those parties were very small. It was just that people weren't being careful with their social distancing and and taking care about, you know, wearing masks around each other when you couldn't maintain social distance. Um, And I know that there's some people that will tell me that masks are useless and all that. What they're starting to understand with with COVID is the major pathway to spread is, you know, through droplets that are expelled by breath, sneezing, coughing, popping your peas or whatever. Um, And those masks, you know, even a homemade cloth one um, has the ability to stop the travel distance of those droplets, not to completely stop them but to cut down on the distance they travel and the and the amount and how far they go there's absolutely nothing to protect you personally unless somebody's popping their peas right in your face or something like that but even then you know if they get if they get a droplet in your eye you know you could be infected um, but there is a reason to do it and it's mostly about protecting other people from yourself not about protecting yourself and I do understand there are some people that it's really tough to wear a mask for, uh, particularly victims of um, sexual and domestic violence you know that you know part of that violence was having their face and uh, their nose and mouth covered so they couldn't scream you know um, those folks have a pretty high anxiety associated with having their nose and mouth covered and those people, I think, you know, should be able to say, I have a medical reason why I can't wear a mask. There may be people that have issues with uh, oxygen intake or whatever, um, and have medical reasons not to wear a mask or psychological reasons not to wear a mask. But for the most part, unless you have one of those specific reasons, your reason for wearing a mask is not so much to protect yourself, but to protect other people. and. You know, it's really about protecting vulnerable people, because one of the things I'm also seeing is as this pandemic goes on, we're actually understanding that the mortality rate of this disease is not as high as was first um, suspected, although it's still far higher than seasonal flu. You know, I've seen some people try and say it's not, but it is. You know, actual people contract. You know, what some people are trying to to compare it to is testing data and things like that. And that's not an accurate way of trying to compare uh, mortality rates. It is actually um, still significantly more fatal than than seasonal flu, uh, no matter how you look at it. So it is a serious disease and it's particularly serious for certain populations. The older your age, the greater the mortality rate is, um, if you have, you know, pre-existing medical conditions that make you susceptible, things like diabetes, um, you know, which they're type one diabetics that don't really have a choice in whether they have diabetes or not because they're basically born with it genetically. Um, you know, you know, by you not wearing your mask, you're endangering that population. Um, You know, the folks that don't really have a choice, just as, you know, you know, the few remaining World War Two vets in their 90s don't have a choice that they're over 90 years old uh, and we don't want to endanger that population. So um, I, you know, agree with the idea that folks should be wearing masks. I'm not so sure it needs to be you know, policed and mandated in any way, I think people should be able to be educated into voluntarily protecting other people. Um, and I think that's a piece of this that some people sometimes, you know, want to jump into, you know, I've actually had, um, emails from folks asking, you know, is the county going to enforce this? We're seeing people not wearing masks here or there. I was in such and such store or this, Restaurant and I didn't see somebody. You know, you know, what's the county going to do about it? It's like um, we're going to educate. In fact, I was talking with the county administrator today about that. We really are going to start working hard to educate people about why wearing a mask is important, why keeping your distance from other people is important. You know, along with all the the normal stuff of if you are sick, stay home. You know, uh, you know, know, The washing of hands still is an important piece, although they're finding uh, touch contact has not been the, one of the major pathways, at least from the contract tracing work they're doing. It doesn't seem to be a major pathway for transmission. Still important um, to maintain good hygiene. Um, so uh, do your part about, you know, keeping the, the spread down, protect your your elderly friends, uh, protect your relatives, uh, protect people you may not even know um, are susceptible. I mean, it, there's lots of type one diabetics walking around in this world that don't have a sign on them that says I'm an insulin dependent type one diabetic. But that's you know one of the conditions that, that increases your chance of dying from COVID-19. So, um, you know, think about some of those people, you know, they can't all just, you know, lock themselves away forever. You know, they have a right to to go out and be in public too, um, in some degrees. And, you know, yes, they're gonna have to, they're gonna be more cautious uh, for themselves. But it'd be nice if if, you know, as a favor to some of those folks, you're respectful and, and try and prevent you know, spreading the disease to those folks that that have that higher mortality. And you really don't want to get this disease yourself. There's been, you know, lots of uh, work showing that there are other impacts that it can actually cause, you know, permanent damage uh, to everything from uh, permanent brain damage in some cases um, to uh, permanent lung scarring, you know, you just it's not a good thing to have. It's not something to just be um, poo pooing, you know. That said, you know, I believe we were right moving to phase 2 in Lane County. We We were at the point where we had sufficient contact tracing resources and sufficient testing resources and we had showed a low and decreasing number of cases still doing really well here in lane county almost all of our cases we've been able to find the 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 transmission point we're not having random cases show up here in lane county where we don't know how the person got it um, and then you know that that's a major issue. We're able to get in contact with the people that have tested positive within 24 hours to do contact tracing ninety nine percent of the time we're in contact within 24 hours and I think that one that one percent you know we go we're, we keep going between one hundred and ninety nine in the state reporting um, think just as a matter of, of you know, minutes and hours of, of whether or not we're at 100%. You know, we're really actually seeing a decrease in the cases in Lane County that are actually infectious. So, you, you see these numbers get reported, the total number of cases in Lane County. One of the things you don't quite see is how many cases are actually currently active or infectious, you know, that, that, we're, that we know about. There's been a total of 324 cases in Lane County, but currently only 48 of those are infectious. A week or so ago, it was 75. So, we are trending down in our number of cases that are actually currently infectious and in isolation. No, we only have three people currently hospitalized in the entire county with COVID-19. Getting into this whole thing to the end, we've had a total of three deaths. And this is in a population of 375,000 people. 324 total cases, less than 50 currently active cases, three currently hospitalized and three deaths out of 375,000 people. It seems, it seems like, um, we, you know, we're, we're doing pretty well. I was just getting a text Robin from a friend of mine saying he clicked on the link and couldn't get to the show.
0: All right. Check it
1: to check it real quick. Thanks. One of my one of my buddies was trying to get in and listen to the show and apparently is having trouble with the link. So Robin's going to jump off and check that real quick. uh, And hopefully we can get uh, him in on the show. But it's, uh, it's kind of, I just, I have to take a minute and and hold up our public health folks. We are so fortunate, Lane County, to have one of the best public health departments. I think in the country, you know, our our public health doctor, Dr. Patrick Ludke, is internationally known for some of the work he's done in 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 viral and deep disease work. Uh, we're just fortunate to have him, and the staff there under uh, uh, Jocelyn Warren and and folks there. Uh, that are doing this contact tracing, the folks that have uh, been shifted from other county departments uh, into our public health department to do contact tracing are doing an incredible job. It's one of the reasons we've been able to keep our numbers where they are is we've been able to get to the folks that test positive, follow their, their activities for the last you know several weeks, you know several days to, to two weeks, and follow up with all the people that they may have been in contact with um, and and really kind of lock down and ask people to isolate. And um, that's really what's kept our numbers so low. And and it's one of the reasons why we've been so consistently able to connect cases with prior cases and we can follow the transmission. It's one of the reasons we're also really sure that Indoor exposure and time. Indoor exposure is is one of the easily critical factors in in seeing people get this disease because we're seeing those connections of people being indoors.
0: Um,
1: you know, for instance, the uh, uh, recently there was a workplace outbreak here in Lane County, and the workers were wearing their masks and and doing the proper things when they were on duty but they would take their breaks in a break room and take their mask off when they were within six feet of each other (coughs) and and sit and enjoy their breaks together and that was the exposure route indoors no mask within six feet for longer than 15 minutes almost a sure way to pass this disease around so really um you know lane county's public health folks i can't thank them enough we've also even got volunteers starting to to be trained and work with us Uh, we've actually are working with the u of o where they've trained students for with contract in, in to do contract tracing work for when the student body if it ever does come back or even just what limited part of the student body is back on campus. They're going to be able to uh uh keep tabs on 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 any issues there. So they're really uh doing some pretty amazing work uh there. So Robin, were you able to chase that down, and check the link?
0: Yeah, I'm updating it now. It did come back as a <clears throat> excuse me, as a 404 for some silly reason but also to remind people too that they they can always go to krbnradio.net it'll take us take you to our radio page and also um of course our facebook page but always even if you don't see a link krbnradio.net will take you to our um, our blog talk page and of course as always you can dial six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven and like we have some people do listen to the show live and if you want to talk, just press one and we will say, hi, would you like to talk to Jay? And then you get to talk to Jay. See how that works. It's very nice and easy.
1: Yep. And we even have somebody that's just listening right now on their phone. So it's just uh, one of the ways you can enjoy the Boz nose show. And I want to remind folks that because this is an internet talk radio show, You don't have to listen live. I mean, if you want to call in and interact with me, you got to listen live. But it lives on forever. So if you miss the show or you're late coming in and you kind of feel like, you know, I want to go back and and hear what Jay had to say about that, just, you know, go back. And it lives forever on Blog Talk Radio. And it also lives forever on the KRBN Internet News Talk Radio Facebook page.
0: It also lives forever if you screw up and forget to change the title page.
1: Yep. So, uh,
0: meaning, meaning you're not Joe, Joe Ray Perkins, which I didn't notice till the beginning of the show. I'm sorry, Jay. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I, I'm not Joe Ray. Uh, yeah, please. Um, so, yeah, just once again, I can say, I, I th- without a doubt. I thought we did the right thing, moving to phase two. Economic impacts of the restrictions are just as damaging, if not more so, than this disease. But I think as we moved into phase two carefully, and if we can get people to cooperate with the the mask wearing and the social distancing, we can keep control of this, keep it out of our our vulnerable populations, and the risk is worth um, avoiding the detriments of the the economic impacts. Speaking of economic impacts, I don't want to forget to mention that we are taking applications starting today for uh, rental assistance um, here in Lane County. Uh, We got a big piece of federal funding finally given down through the state. $5.1 million is going to be available. Taking applications starting today, uh, we'll all the way through uh midnight of next wednesday, uh, wednesday the 22nd that next wednesday or the following wednesday it's next wednesday isn't it um the 22nd uh, had to do math today's the 15th uh, um and you know really we're looking at um you know you want to be able to document your lost income as a direct result of the pandemic or um, you have some kind of compromised health status uh, or elevated risk of infection or vulnerability if you lose your housing, Um, and uh, your income must be at or below 80% of the median area income. And there's a table on our website, and I put up um, a post on my website uh Lane County Commission uh, J. Jay Bozovich West Lane County Commissioner's Facebook page It's a link to that I've also put it out on several um community pages um it's on the Lane County uh government uh Facebook page also um a link to that rental assistance page where you can actually look at that table and uh you know go to the actual link which is uh you know www.lanecounty.org slash rent, you know, real inventive there. It gets you right to the rental assistance page. Um, But that is something that is available because we do realize that that shutdown of the economy that happened under the governor's emergency order really hurt a lot of people and are still hurting a lot of people because they're not getting unemployment yet. Which still bothers me. I, you know, state got over $80 million, what was it, like 10 years ago, to fix their computer systems in the unemployment department. Never did it. Now they, you know, are, you know, just overwhelmed and particularly seeing they have to do something a little bit different and, and because the, the pandemic basically shut down not only regular employers, but shut down people that are part of the gig economy and our self-employed contract employees, um, those folks have, by federal law, are now eligible for uh, unemployment benefits, and the state just can't figure that out. And those poor people that suddenly lost all their income, and and this includes people like um, hairstylists who had their salons closed, where they're not really working for the salon and getting a paycheck and a W-2, they actually kind of rent their space from the salon owner, and they're self-employed. You know, so when those salons got shut down by the executive order, they were completely out of income, but the state still hasn't figured out how to compensate them for that time period. Pretty hard to pay rent. Hopefully this program will bridge some of that uh, gap for some of those folks that did not get their unemployment and still haven't gotten their unemployment. And I really hold uh, the fact that it's been, you know, a, a certain party that has dominated the state in control of the executive branch that should have gotten that work done over the last 10 years when they got the $80 million from the federal government that failed to do it and when come this november people should remember that you know who was in control that did not get it done not to mention all the other it you know mess ups that that state of oregon's done cover oregon oh you know the dmv uh debacle you know it's it, one thing after another it seems like they just can't do it in the state of oregon i don't understand why you know that I know Robin has no opinion about that, seeing that she doesn't, you know, ever get involved in IT stuff. Um,
0: <laughs> no, none whatsoever.
1: Uh, just, uh, it, it amazes me, you know, how the state of Oregon just does not seem to be able to do anything right when it comes to, to new, uh, you know, rolling out new IT programs or new IT thing services. I mean, to cover Oregon uh, health uh, insurance uh you know, uh, um, Obamacare stuff that they weren't able to set up. They completely failed, you know, and they took federal money to do again (laughs) and and completely failed at. At least that time, they actually tried to do the work, unlike the unemployment stuff where they just sat on the money and never did the work. Um, You know, you can at least say with that they tried and failed with the unemployment folks they didn't even try they've just parked the money in a bank account and have been sitting on it uh, because they just didn't know where to get started i guess i don't know it just amazes me but because of that tens of thousands of oregonians have had no income and no unemployment payment to make up that income so you know the counties are now having to run rental uh, assistance programs to help folks out, you know? So yeah. once again, once again, local government's pulling the state bacon out of the fire.
0: Yeah. I have a question. Um, you were saying that, uh, they just set the money aside. Were they making interest off that money?
1: I guess so. Uh, you know, whenever you're parking money in the state of Oregon, uh, as a as a public entity, you have to park it in the uh, the state's um, investment account. Uh, there's a, a particular public invest a public um, investment account where it does earn interest. So, but I imagine the federal government, if the, when they really get around to the state and go, you know, we want that money back, they're going to be asking for it with interest. <laughs> 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 kind of like you know when the judge. Granted, you know, that we won that case, uh, the counties won that case against the state about not cutting trees on state lands that were supposed to be generating money for counties and local districts that those lands were taken out of their tax rolls, you know, through interest on it. Yeah. uh, You know, of 9%. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's a good return, actually.
1: Yeah, it's an excellent return, but it's actually the bare minimum that he's allowed to put on that. And 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 the that billion dollar um, settlement is earning about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day in interest. Every day the state doesn't come to terms with that lawsuit. But I think they're trying to get it up into the higher courts here where uh Kate Brown and and the Democrat appointees, you know, can wipe stuff out like they did with the Baker County lawsuit over the uh um, emergency declaration that was clearly um, a, a huge stretch and the supreme court um, kicked it back down to the lower courts on on something that i thought was pretty pretty flimsy but yeah so we'll see where that 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 lawsuit goes on on the on the state force with the counties but that's a whole side sidebar but i just wanted to make sure before we left the subject of covid that people were aware of that rental assistance program that the county is running and if you're listening to Bo's Nose show from outside of Lane County and, and need some assistance with your rent just about every county is running a program like that in the state of Oregon and even in other states because this money was in the federal uh, CARES acts specifically for rental assistance and housing and should be coming down through counties or some other organizations to assist in in getting renter you know, helping people with get their rent paid. So contact your local government, ask them about it. Um, if they're not the actual agency distributing it in your 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 state or in your county or whatever, they can probably tell you who is, um, but it is it is out there and uh, want to make sure folks are aware of that. So, um. Switching subjects a little bit because we spent a significant amount of time on COVID so far this program and I also just want to remind folks, we'll talk about anything you want to talk about when you call in and uh, you know whether it's COVID-19 or if it's the homeless situations or it's my poodles or my, my Airstream trip across the country. Um, give us a call here 646. 646- Seven two one nine eight eight seven. just press one that gets you in a conversation here on the Bo's no show again that's six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven just press one and that will let robin my call screener and producer extraordinaire know you want to get in on the conversation so um attended a, a meeting right before this uh, by you know telephone I had to bounce in there because I was bringing Elizabeth back from Mackenzie Willamette and all that stuff, so I couldn't do the actual uh, Skype version of the meeting and get in there online or the go-to meeting. I can't remember what what this one was, but it was the Highway 126 NEPA uh, Advisory um, Committee that is you know advising uh, the ODOT folks on some of the public outreach and everything, and. And it's been a while, so I want to remind people that, that way back in about 2012 and 13, we went through a process out here in, in uh, the Fern Ridge area where we did a corridor study on Highway 126 uh, between Eugene and Benita and, and what would be the ultimate uh, preferred alternative uh, for that highway. And it came out to be you know, this kind of four-lane um, sort of hybrid between there that would, would run the causeway with some kind of uh, bike ped path parallel to it. Um, And, uh, the wheels of, of government turned slowly that, you know, that plan was done. We managed to get into the, um, bill, the house bill 2017 that was passed in 2017. Um, that was the big highway, uh, uh, bill in the state of Oregon, some money specifically to fund the NEPA um, analysis that needs to be done as part of any major road improvement to make it eligible for federal and state funding. And NEPA stands for the National Environmental Protection Act, and basically it's one of those you know triple bottom line sort of major studies you have to do, and you got to do the public outreach and everything else just to, to make, you know, to identify and 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 try and minimize impacts to the environment the um the economy and uh, you know that that's the big things they're trying to do um so uh, and any any cultural issues you know everything they, they look at everything from recreation and, and when you think about that corridor between eugene and benita just about everything is there i mean the there's wetlands on and in the lake and everything right up against it um you know we've got a, a major uh you know the rail line there which is economic the 126 operates as the major freight connection to the coast um, so has huge economic impacts um you know there, there's bird watching sites and people launch their their canoes and kayaks there on on uh Coyote Creek um, so you know major recreation uh, and 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 all sorts of impacts going on up and down there not to mention you know, Perkins Peninsula Park you know there's there's businesses that have access off that there's there's residential neighborhoods that have access all sorts of moving parts so this NEPA study and and people have asked me what are the survey crews doing out there along there there that's part of the they're doing the actual identification of things like where there's Bradshaw's Lamatium growing, which is a um, identified listed species um that is endangered um that is present in the wetlands uh here in the lambette valley so uh they're you know we're we're out there during the spring growing season, so they can identify it and locate it and you know they put little flags in the ground and they got to survey in the flags so they can show how much is present how much might be impacted you know all that good stuff um that process is just getting started and uh that you know committee meeting was basically to kind of walk us through the process you know check in to see did we miss somebody we should be reaching out to um you know does the process sound like it's good so there's going to be a couple series of meetings that are going to be coming up uh out here Probably in the Fern Ridge area and maybe some other places where they're gonna. You'll see notices going out. The first one's gonna kind of be to remind people what happened way back in 2012 and 13, and what the actual project is, and then to to uh, present the, the, some of the uh, preliminary findings and, and uh, uh, allow people to make comment on that in the second round of meetings. Um, so that's still moving ahead. Now, of course once you have the NEPA done then you can start applying for the funding from the federal government and the state to do some of the actual improvements and it's pretty doubtful we'll get all 200 to 300 million dollars needed to widen 126 out to four lanes between eugene's and venita um all at once never know because they're talking about a 1.5 billion dollar um or 1.5 trillion i can't remember what the that you know this huge infrastructure package in the federal government maybe we will get that much money you never know um but it's more likely we're going to get it in pieces and be able to do some of these improvements in pieces kind of like i, I was able to get just a little bit of money in that 2017 bill that allowed us to do that passing lane there um just west of of no tie that just got finished on highway 126 and we're going to be doing some shoulder widening projects this this year along 126 um, out there in the uh, Walton area. Uh, so, you know, little by little, sometimes you can get just a piece of money here and a piece of money there and make the road a little bit safer, a little bit, you know, better for traffic. And and I kind of see, you know, one of the things they'll be looking at is, you know, what parts of this can they, you know, do in phases where it won't won't have to be dug up and redone as they do the, the the whole project, and I think that's probably what you'll see over the next, you know, 10 years or so is little bits and pieces of this project built uh, over time uh, to ultimately get to that four lanes plus a separated uh, bike ped um, facility uh, that will take you know the bicycles and pedestrians off of that. Uh, and make the road function better um, and have less backups, you know, and and, and less head-on collisions because once you can get it to four lanes, then you can put a center barrier in there, but you can't really put much of a center barrier in when it's just two lanes because what do you do if there's an accident and how do you get ambulances around the accident? Um, so want to make folks aware of that. has a lot of impact for not just the Bonita folks out in my district, but it has impact all the way down to the coast because Anytime we can make that, you know, ability to reach the beaches, so to speak, um, it has positive economic impact for the Florence area and any, anywhere over there. It also makes it safer for them, you know, for to get back and forth to things uh, here in Eugene and 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 quicker and easier. It also makes freight traffic move better, and when freight traffic moves better. Goods and services costs keep, stay down. If we start getting to where you can't depend on timing for freight traffic uh, getting to and from the coast, that adds dollars to how people bid um, moving that tra- that freight. So, the goods that you're buying at the Fred Meyer in Florence um, might have some extra cost tacked on because the, the people moving the, the, that over there know that it might take longer because 126 is an dependable freight route. So as we fix bottlenecks on 126, we actually make sure your cost of goods stays down for those areas from Veneta all the way out to Florence. So it's a big, important project for West Lane County, just like the Beltline improvements, um, which you're starting to see, you know, again, fought really hard to make sure there was money included in that house bill 2017 to at least start a, a, a portion of the close to 300 million dollar project beltline delta is where we got enough to at least do some improvements of the delta beltline interchange that you're seeing constructed this summer um that will probably take until next year probably to get done because it's a pretty big bridge uh construction project grant relocations and uh you're seeing some of the impacts of that now Fortunately, it's not tying up traffic too much because of COVID. Um, So, you know, one of the things I will say is the cancellation of of things like the county fair and a few other big events has actually allowed some of these construction projects to move faster and cheaper on on our road projects. Um, You know, the the Washington Jefferson Bridge project there that Wildish is doing um, resurfacing, improving that bridge um would have had to stop for that couple weeks of the you know leading up to and and getting past the lane county fair uh so we wouldn't have a major traffic conflict and when the county fair was canceled they were able to change their construction schedule keep right on working through and it'll actually shorten the construction time so on the positive side of the COVID-19 pandemic, it's actually helped road construction projects move faster in some ways. Um, that just a, to a little bit of a net positive there. You know, so looking looking on the sunny side, and I will say it driving in and out of town's been a little bit easier, except for today. Got caught in that Clear Lake Road flagging uh, as they're trying to repave portions of Clear Lake Road um, out here in the uh, Elmira, um, Cheshire area, if you're heading out this way on Clear Lake Road uh, to try and bypass 126, uh, maybe not a good idea for the next week or so as they're doing a major repaving job there. And the flagging actually has people stop for up to 20 minutes uh, at a time. Uh, so doing our traffic report again here, Robin.
0: <laughs> um I forgot to feel the helicopter, so. Oh.
1: Forgot to feel the helicopter. Uh, but, you know, that's, uh, you
0: know,
1: just some things keep moving along despite COVID-19. And, and
0: you know, one of the things that
1: does keep, is still continuing to move along is some of this, this um, uh, you know, road planning and, and construction projects. But one of the things I will say is, ultimately, COVID is going to cost some of those projects. Um, We are seeing an extreme downturn in um, gasoline tax collections in the state, which that's what's funding a lot of these projects is gas tax. Um, So yeah, yeah, what's already been funded is safe, things like the Washington Jefferson Project, the Delta Project, the NEPA uh, uh, study for Highway 126. But future projects may uh, get extended in their timeline or have trouble getting up in the queue as quickly because there's been a huge dent in ODOT's um, income. And and part of that is directly fund some of these projects, but a good, you know, one of the things that happens with gas taxes is they get passed back down to counties and cities. You know, out of every dollar of gas tax collected, 50 cents stays with ODOT and that's what they use for some of these major projects in, in through the, what they call the stip. Um, and then 30% goes to, um, counties and is split up by, you know, the population and number of registered vehicles in each county with some allowances for some of the less populated counties to get a little, um, extra boost in money because they have, you know, some of Harney County has almost no people, still has a lot of miles of roadway because it's a big county. Um, and then uh, 20% goes to all, is split up amongst the cities. And, uh, and a lot of cities also have their own gas taxes on top of the state gas tax. So as gasoline sales plummeted because people aren't going to work um, and they, or they're working from home instead of driving into work, uh, that's really hurt that source of income for cities, counties, and the state to fund road projects. So, you know, it may not have an immediate impact, but you may see a future impact on on how well your, um, yeah, yeah, on how well um, some of your, local governments are able to maintain roadways and continue some of these uh, major improvement projects and you know speaking of you know some of that uh, i will mention here locally uh city of eugene has decided to lower the speed limits in neighborhoods down to 20 miles per hour and they okayed e-bikes you know those little e-scooter things um to be in the city so watch your step as you walk down the sidewalk to in about another year or so because every city i've been visited that had those e-scooters those things end up laying in the middle of the sidewalk uh, as people just kind of drop them wherever they leave you know run out of battery um and uh they also end up in in uh waterways and other places so be prepared eugene just saying um and it just seems like the anti um you know single uh, family vehicle uh crusade marches on as they try and lower speed limits and force people to uh get on the bus instead of having their own vehicles so shifting uh in our last couple of minutes here, shifting topics a little bit, I've been getting a lot of emails about the jail and um you know, how we should be releasing all our prisoners and and everything else because of COVID-19. And uh, a lot's in those emails that is, I just want to say, is purely based on hearsay and not very truthful. Um, And I'm not really responding to them because of that, because for the most part, it's a copy and paste email where it repeats the same wrong information over and over again. And I'm just not, you know, into replying to copy and paste request to you know secede to the demands of the hunger strikers um based on bad information um, so get good information folks but that kind of gets back to that whole we're supposed to defund the police and all that and we've talked about that on the Bozno nose show before and how much of our public safety budget goes right into the things folks wanted to divert it to. So if we start defunding public safety here in Lane County, you're defunding a lot of um, good work that we do through nonprofits. But I understand, um, Robin, you've got your own solution to defunding the police.
0: Yeah, I got got a sure way, uh, surefire solution for doing it. Don't commit any crimes. There you go. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's also the same thing with these folks that, you know, are worried about folks in the jail. If you don't commit a crime, you wouldn't be in the Lane County Jail.
0: Yeah, so then after a while, you know, they'll start cutting because they won't have the needs. See, it's all economics.
1: Yeah, and we can get social distancing spacing to improve in the jail if no one's committing crimes.
0: See, so simple. <laughs>
1: God, why didn't I think
0: of that before? Well, I mean, if these guys really want to, you know, defund the police, well, put it on them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, yeah. But, it, you know,
1: it does, it amazes me how people will run hearsay information. You know, one of the things I, I, is in that email is, People are sleeping six inches apart. I've been in the Lane County Jail and my recollection is I don't know anywhere their beds six inches apart. Because all of them are set up where you walk between and I don't know anyone that's six inches wide. (laughs) (laughs) Yet that is stated over and over again in this copy and paste email. That they're sleeping in dormitories where the beds are only six inches apart. Mind you, we won't—we cut our dormitory max capacity to fifty percent. So there's probably no one in the bed on either side of them because we're all—you know—we, you know, you talk about half. That means every other bed. (laughs) So. I don't know how people are sleeping six inches apart when the beds aren't six inches apart and there's probably no one in the beds next to them.
0: Well, you know what they say about six inches.
1: (laughs) There's the man's definition and then the female
0: definition. (laughs) I'm not going there. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, We won't go there either, but it does. It just amazes me that people won't question what's in an email they're sending not to mention i don't think you know even 10 percent of these emails are actually coming from inside lane county that i'm getting i think they're coming from some national website somewhere the the names i don't recognize i look at the email addresses um they're not local servers if you know what i mean (laughs) There's, there's an edu from some, you know, University of Indiana or something like that. Edu. <laughs> uh, it's like, yeah, you're really a resident of Lane County, aren't you? Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it's amazing. You know, sometimes it's interesting what we get email traffic on as a County Commissioner, and that's the latest hot one that that we're getting multiple emails on. Um, You know, a month or so back, it was all about the, uh, you know, halt the Thurston Hills clear cut, which also had a bunch of misinformation built into the copy and paste email. um, You know, that people were sending Um, and and again, many of them coming from outside of the area um, because it was put up on an environmental um activist group website and uh to email the commissioners you know one of those single click sort of things i think this is a similar sort of email the exact same message over and over again we're getting with the exact same false information uh based on hearsay so well that time for the Bose nose show i can kind of hear the music coming on in the background which means i'm getting the hook from robin and we'll be back next week with another edition of the Bozno show after we had a full packed day of the commissioners' meeting next Tuesday. We were off yesterday, so, uh, should be some interesting stuff to talk about. I want to thank you for listening. Come back next week when we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, Oregon. Have a great week.